It's time to level up. Good to see you today. Glad you're here. Welcome to Centerpoint. If you are new with us, I'm John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you came this weekend. It's the first weekend of the year, and I think it's great to start it together in God's presence. And I've been thinking and praying this last couple weeks about, you know, this, this upcoming year and just saying, God, what do you have for us? Is there, is there a, a theme or a word that, that we should hone in on? And I get the sense that God is saying to me, the word is testimony. And the distinct sense I have is that God's saying, keep a record of all that you see me do. And so I've been feeling like God's saying that to me, but I want to just say, I think that's for all of us as a, as a whole church and as many of us as individuals that would want to join me in that. And just, would you take this to heart, that I feel like God is saying to you and me, keep a record of all that you see me do. The word is testimony. Everyone say testimony. Testimony is when we give an acknowledgement of what we've seen God do. And so I want you to take this challenge, and for the next uh, the next 12 months, write down what you see God do. Maybe you could uh, buy a separate little journal and just write it down, bullet point style, whenever you see God doing something. Or you could just open up a note in your file on your phone and, and just make a, a file there that says testimony and write the things down that you see God do in your life, in your family, in your life group, in your women's ministry, your men's ministry group, whatever the situation is, keep a record of what you see God do. Because you know what we're going to do? The end of this year... We're going to celebrate together all the testimonies of what we've seen God do, but we can't do it unless we keep the record. So who's with me and willing to keep a record of what you see God do? Raise a hand, clap, say amen, something. All right, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a year. God is on the move. In a, <laughs> he's always on the move, but there's just a distinct sense I have that this year God's got uh, some incredible things to bring about in our lives, and it's worth noticing it, keeping a record of it when it happens. All right, so uh, I've, I've been, uh, uh, I've resolved that this year I'm going to learn Korean. My wife speaks Korean, and I think it's about time I learned. So uh, I've been trying to learn Korean. We've been watching some Korean videos, some Korean dramas. They're so fun. They're like lighthearted and cute and clean and always these sappy love stories, and it's just pure entertainment. Anyway, this show we've been watching called 30 But 17 uh, is about this girl who uh, she, she lives in, uh, in a little room underneath the stairs, but nobody else knew that there was any room underneath the stairs because it had a secret hidden door, and she was the only one who knew about it. Anyway, watching that show and seeing this girl come out of this little secret room under the stairs with the secret hidden door just got me thinking that I think that hidden doors are pretty cool. So... Like, for example, look, like you see this, this beautiful wall, and it's just a beautiful stone wall, but no, it's actually a hidden door, secret entrance. And for example, this Victorian mansion with a mighty, massive uh, shelf is actually an entry into a, well, a, a beautiful gun room. Is that, that's what that is. Somebody said amen. And, uh, or for example, this next one, you got this uh, master bedroom, nicely appointed with some shelves, but no, it's actually a secret door into uh, whatever that is. Or, or this one, another one of the stone, uh, stone things. It's actually a door in, into another room. Or the next one, it looks like a, a nice bookshelf at the end of the hall. No, it's a secret entrance, a hidden door. Or this next one is again with the shelf. <laughs> it's kind of a theme, but it's a secret door. Or this last one's one of my favorites. It's a beautiful presentation of art, but no, it's a hidden door. Anyway, in the message that I'm going to share today, I want to share with you a hidden door 
into living life God's way. And the reason I, I love hidden doors is because what they show you is that there's a way to get in and a way to go in somewhere that isn't necessarily obvious at first, that, that isn't even maybe visible to a lot of people, but it is incredibly effective for being able to get where you need to go. And in the message today, I'm going to show you a hidden door to living life God's way. And, and I think that some of us today need to make a decision. Here's what I'm talking about. It might be the case for you that you're at church today and uh, it's the first time in a long time, maybe even the first time ever. And I want you to know that this message series is going to last five weeks and this is week number one. And I want to challenge you to make a commitment to your own spiritual growth if you're new here. And the commitment would be to stick with us for five weeks. You could do anything for five weeks, but if you would do this, if you would commit to being a part of this message series for these five weeks, I think you're going to see God do something incredible in your life. And so if you're new, maybe right now you kind of mentally say, that's me, I'm in. I'll give this five weeks. I'll give it a shot. Just see what God might do in your life with five weeks of a, of a commitment to your own spiritual growth. Okay, so level up, week one. And when you hear level up, maybe you're thinking to yourself, level up, you know, that's probably going to be a a message that's going to sound like, a, you know, Tony Robbins or, or Tim Ferriss or Gary Varnachuk or something, like giving me some, some powwow about how to achieve my greatest ambitions and all that, you know? And I love those guys. I listen to that stuff, and I think it's awesome to have that kind of a message. And, and in fact, at the beginning of a new year, I hope you will determine to set some goals. And in fact, if you would take these five steps, I think it'll help you. I mean, set great goals and then write the goals down and then share the goals with people that you can be accountable with and then develop a process of action steps you can take towards the goals and then take the action and get after it. Those five steps, they're great. But that's not what this message is about. I, I want you to do all of the above, but I know that you can get that message anywhere. But instead, I want to show you a hidden door into the life that God really desires for you. And so I want us to get ready to spend some time in the scriptures today and I want to let you know that in this message, the essence of it is that the way up is down. Everyone tell someone next to you the title of my message. Tell them the way up is down. <laughs> you sounded so dismal right now. You're like, the way up is down. A bunch of Eeyores. What happened? This is good. This is really good. My message today in a nutshell, the essence of it is this. To level up your life, you lay it down. Level up your life by laying it down. That's the main idea of my message. You go low to go high. You go low because that's where God's lifting power is. You go low because that's where you find the greatest bounty of God's grace to help you in your time of need. You go low because it's the Jesus way. I mean, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16, 25. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. That's the scripture. It says, and what does it benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And do you know how valuable your soul is? This is the heart of Jesus for you and I to discover that the way up is down and that to level up our lives, we do it best by following the one who laid his down and do likewise. It's counterintuitive. 
It doesn't seem to be what you'd first think of when you think of leveling up your life, but it's a secret door. It's a hidden entrance into just where we want to be and need to be, which is in the very presence of God, the one and only one who's able to lift us up, the one and only one who is called our glory and the lifter of our heads. And so I hope you'll come with me into the scriptures in Philippians chapter 2 for just a moment and learn that to level up your life, you lay it down. Because that's what this message is about. So open up a Bible. By the way, if you're new here, uh, bring a Bible to church or download a Bible app on your phone. Let's be people who are familiar with God's word and know kind of how to thumb our way through to the left, to the right, where we're going. Today, Philippians chapter 2. So I'm looking for some people opening a Bible. You know it's going to be on the screen. I don't care. I want you to read it. It's your Bible. It's the word of God. It's life from the heart of God. Open it up. So Philippians chapter 2, while you're turning there, we're talking about the Jesus way, Jesus who laid his life down, and, and I want you to know that the Jesus way of life is a way of life characterized by giving, by serving, by love, and by humility. Everyone say humility. 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 It might be one of the most powerful ways of living that you could ever choose. And I want to just work with you for a moment on this concept of humility before we get into Philippians chapter 2. And I want to share with you a working description of humility. Now, this is not a dictionary definition. This is just a working description of five factors of humility. And there's a lot more that should be said about humility. But for starters, let me just begin with my perspective on five of the most important aspects of humility. Humility is... First of all, having a deep awareness of just how much room to grow you have. Starts there. Having a deep awareness of just how much room to grow you have. And then humility is clarity about how dependent on God you really are. And then third, humility is about value for other people. And then humility is a default of throwing pride and arrogance completely aside because you know it never did anybody any good anyway. And then fifth, humility is about doing whatever you can in healthy ways to serve other people. I mean, that's a good place to start with just understanding what humility is. And I want you to know that it really is the Jesus way. It's the way to level up your life. You level up your life by laying it down. And with all that in mind, I want us now to turn to Philippians chapter 2 and take God's word to heart. And here's what we read. It says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1, is there any encouragement from being uh, belonging to Christ or any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And verse 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Say these next two words. Be humble. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Aren't you grateful for the humility of Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody. Aren't you grateful for the humility of Jesus that he would be willing to condescend, to stoop into time and space, not as some powerful genie, but as the humble servant king born in the dirt of a manger so that you and I could be rescued. Aren't you grateful for the humility of Jesus that he would not stay far off because look at us, but instead he would come right up close and near because look at us. He wanted to come near to rescue and redeem you and me. I'm so grateful for the humility of Jesus. But what I want to make sure we saw is what it said in verse 5. It said, you need to have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Are you a boss? Do you own a company? What does it mean for you? Are there any implications of this if you are a husband or a wife as it pertains to how you're dealing with your family? If you're a leader of a department or, or, or a group or a team, does this kind of thing have any bearing on how you'd go about doing your work and leading that team? Does it affect you at all? You better believe it. And to level up your life, you lay it down. That's what I see Jesus doing. And it's beautiful. The humility of Jesus is beautiful. Back to verse 3. Again, it said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own, only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I want you to say verse 3 out loud with me. Ready? Say it nice and loud. Go. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. When the scripture says, be humble, it's because it is a choice that every one of us can, in fact, make. The only question is as to whether we'll make that choice or not. And so this, the idea from the heart of God is, yeah, choose this. Make this choice because it will lead to life. Make this choice because it will lead to blessing. Make this choice because it will lead to love. Make this choice because it is beautiful in my eyes, says the Lord. Be humble. Somebody say to somebody sitting next to you, be humble. <laughs> That way we'll all hear it. Be humble. God's giving us this directive because he knows what's best for goodness and the best things of life to come about. And to level up your life, you lay it down. You be humble. You choose this. There's such great value in humility. Humility is, is an inner disposition, isn't it? And it's a choice that you make with what your inner disposition, your inner posture is going to be. But here's what I know. When you choose to be humble, you do have a keen awareness of just how much room to grow you have. When you choose to be humble, you do have utter clarity about how dependent on God you are. And when you have these things, what it creates in you is it, it creates a hunger inside of you to keep growing, to keep learning, to keep discovering, to stay curious, to be willing and open, to keep making the effort, right? And so there's this intrinsic goodness that comes through this simple choice to just be humble like God said. 
Because when you choose the opposite and decide, well, it's usually not a decision, but it comes about to be full of pride and arrogance, you'd end up kind of kicking back and going, hey, look at me, I've arrived, I've done it. Doesn't do any good. But when you choose to be humble, you're able to stay hungry. And that hunger creates a drive that leads you into the good things that God has for you. And so it's beautiful. When you, when you have this choice inside for, for humility, you do have a, a growing love for other people. And, and you do have a sense of the value of other people. And you do have a, a growing desire to serve others and be there for others and help others. And it's beautiful when you do. And it creates a sense of value in the relationship that ends up blessing others and you in return. Do you see how good it is to choose to be humble? And when you choose to be humble, you are bringing yourself into the very presence of the God from whom all strength and help flows. And, and so rather than setting your smart goals that you're going to strive to go after in your own strength, instead you're attaching yourself to the one who is himself the source of strength and his power begins to flow into and through your life and lifts you up. Somebody say amen. That's what happens when you choose to follow God's word and be humble. Something beautiful comes about. Psalm 138 verse 8 says, the Lord will accomplish his purpose for me. The Lord will accomplish his purpose for me. But I need to be humble to come into the presence of the Lord and let my dependence on him be known. I need to have the humility to come into the presence of God and acknowledge him for who he is. Lord Almighty, King of the universe, Savior, Lord of my life. And then I see his goodness come in an increased measure. Okay, question for you. How many, of you uh, how many of you did some Christmas shopping over the last three weeks and you got something off of Amazon? Anybody? Every hand's going up around the room. Anyway, yeah, Amazon's this epically amazing company that, uh, listen, Amazon is a, is a massive company, $920 billion company, maybe thanks to the Christmas shopping, a trillion dollars, right? Anyway, it's a huge company these days, but just two and a half decades ago, it was barely more than an idea. In, in Jeff Bezos' brain, and he was struggling to pay his mortgage. But, but think of what's happened. And what I, what I found out was that early on, this is about 23 years ago now, just early on as Amazon was getting started, Jeff Bezos wrote a letter to all of his investors and shareholders. And in that letter, he talked about uh, all of his uh, vision for the future and, and how he dreamed that Amazon was going to become the biggest retailer in the world by being the most customer-centric company on the planet. And it sounded ridiculous to everybody. It sounded outlandish. Like, what? Who do these people think they are? And, uh, and lo and behold, in that letter, he used this phrase. He said, this is day one. This is day one. I want you to just say that phrase for a second. This is day one. It's a powerful phrase that Bezos wrote 23 years ago because of what it indicates. It indicates, man, we've got so much yet to do. We have so much room to grow. We have so much still to learn. We have so much improvement that still has to happen. There's so much that we have yet to accomplish. We are nowhere near having arrived. And it makes sense that he would write that to everybody 23 years ago, right? But did you know that every single year, Bezos sends out this investment letter, and every single year he writes in there the, this is day one <laughs> manifesto. Even this year, 
when it's the second or third biggest company in the entire world. He's like, yeah, 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 I know, but this is day one. We still have so much we have to discover. We still have so much we need to figure out. We still need to learn so much. We still have so many things we have yet to try. I mean, do you see what it really is, though? It's humility. It's humility. Say it again. This is day one. When, when you say that, doesn't it indicate to you there's a lot more to go? And if you would join th that posture of humility that really is modeled by Jesus and called for explicitly in the word of God. It puts you in a this is day one kind of a posture. And that this is day one posture is an acknowledgement. I am so far from having arrived. I have so much I need to figure out. I have so much learning I still got to do. I have a long way to go. And that posture of humility is something that when you choose it, it invites the goodness of God in an increased measure. It absolutely does. Let me show you this from the scriptures. This is what I read in God's word about the choice for humility. In James 4, 6, it says, God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the? God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And then in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says this. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may. Okay, I want you to just catch this. Would you say this one out loud with me? Nice and strong. Ready? Go. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I want you to just focus on this thought for a moment. God's great desire is actually the kind of desire that a good dad has. As a good father, his hope and heart is to lift his kids up. And I want us to take this to heart. When the scripture says, humble yourselves, it's for a good end that God has in mind. It doesn't say humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he could squash you like the bug that you are, right? It doesn't say that. It just says, humble yourselves under his mighty hand that he may lift you up. Does anybody here hope that in some way God would lift you up in your life? Does anybody here hope that in some way you could level up in 2020? That I wanted to tell you that the way up is down and that you level up your life by laying it down. This is the scripture. <laughs> Jesus put it this way in Matthew 23, 12. He said, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. I hope you see the theme here in the scriptures that the humility that God invites us into is a humility that is like a secret door. It isn't necessarily obvious to everybody who might think that getting ahead and leveling up would include nothing but raw ambition and drive. But there's something beautiful about what God has in store for you and I. But it comes by humility. Humility attracts God's goodness in a, in a powerful, in a beautiful way. When I, when, when I think about it, I think it's for a reason. I think it's because when God looks at me, he is completely aware of how much room to grow I, I have. <laughs> I think when God looks at me and you, he has complete clarity on just how dependent we really are on him. I think when God looks at you and me, he's wondering whether we might have a an interest in others, a value for other people that would lead us to serve the way he did. 
I think when God is looking at you and me, he's wondering whether you and I are going to throw aside the pride and arrogance that actually just tears us up anyway. I wonder if, if you and I could see how when God looks at us, he wants to see a demonstration of love flowing through us, and to do that would require humility. When I see humility in action, I, I usually see something powerful taking place in and through a person's life. And so I wanted to just take a moment and share a, a testimony with you of one brother in our church, Chris Penaflor, and the way in which surrendering to God has been a part of how God has empowered him to be leveling up in his life. So just take a moment and check out Chris's testimony. Hey guys, my name is Chris Penaflor, and this is a little bit about my walk with Jesus. So I was raised in a Catholic church, and I've always believed in Christ, but I always saw God as more of a religion than a relationship. And so four years ago, I was at a time of my life where I was running, my, uh, uh, I was running a business, and I started to go very distant from God. And the adversity of leading my agency through the challenges that we were facing started to really, started to really uh, trigger my mind to have a lot of fear and doubt and worry. And I felt like I was all by myself with a lot of people depending on me to turn things around. So eventually one of my friends actually handed me one of these invite cards that she got from the church called Centerpoint. And I figured why not, I'll come and, and, and take a look what it is. It's been a while since I've been to church. So um, I showed up and I'll be honest, at first I was very uncomfortable. I was so accustomed to the traditional ways of running a church that you know the, the music kind of weirded me out. And when Pastor James came up with his ripped jeans and his long hair, the first thing I could think about was, bro, where's your priest robes at? Like, what is up with this place? But after a couple services, I, um, the, the Holy Spirit's presence at Centerpoint really started to awaken me. And there was a message that Pastor John shared with us that really hit me like a ton of bricks. And the message was, you know, face opposition with strength from God and stay on course with faith in God. And when I heard that, it, it, like, I felt like a light switched on. And I felt like this whole time I was trying to do it on my own. This whole time I've been walking in darkness and Jesus was waiting for me to turn on the light so that the light of the world can strengthen me and illuminate my life. And the growth I was experiencing at Centerpoint really started to shift my focus from not just a, a, a religion, but a growing relationship with Jesus. So, um, so yeah, now that I'm more involved in Centerpoint, you know, I had a kind of like a calling to really get you know, involved in church a little bit more. And um, I actually got started to do CP 101, which is a tour around uh, the church. And I get to just kind of introduce to newcomers and, and people who I just want to learn more about the church, how the church operates and different groups. And I love helping people just trying to figure out how they can, what they can do to get started uh, being, you know, part of, the, part of the church more than just coming to church, but actually serving and being part of the church and part of the growth of what we do here. So, if you haven't figured out already, I am a dreamer. You know, the Lord has placed huge aspirations in my heart to build a successful business, to plant churches and schools, and donate to charities all around the world. And now with Jesus leading the way, I feel like I don't have to rely on my own capabilities. With the Holy Spirit flowing through my veins, I feel like I have superhuman strength, that I have godly courage and persistence to overcome any challenges that overcome me from, from trying to get to my dreams, 
And Lord, I just want to thank you, and, I, and, and you're the king of my heart, you're the light of the world, and I'm so fired up to take on life with you. And my prayer is that, that if you are watching this, that you allow God back into your heart. You know, the, no matter where you're at in life or what you've done in the past, there's an unconditional love that the Lord just has a desire to fill you with. And he longs to be your best friend, and uh, I pray that you, you, you have him be the biggest part of your life like how he is for me. Thank you for listening, and God bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that, and I hope that you catch what I'm saying today. Humility is not about assuming a, a posture of weakness, like some kind of a limp doormat. It just isn't. It's about taking whoever you are, all that you are, capabilities, uh, strengths, everything, but laying it all down before the love of God, that God would do what he wants in and through whoever you are and whatever you bring to him. And, and it's powerful, but, but more important than anything, it's, it's the Jesus way. I mean, let, let's just revisit this. This is what we just read in verses 8 through 11. It said about Jesus, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. I need to pause right there and tell you about that. When Jesus died a criminal's death on a cross, what he was doing in that moment was something that had to be done for you and me. We might not have even recognized it if we were watching it at the time, how necessary it would be. But what he was doing was taking upon himself all of the penalty for every sin of every human being that would ever live. And he was taking it upon himself and paying the full price for it because God really is a God of justice. Justice needed to be satisfied, but looking, looking around, <laughs> Jesus is aware none of us could satisfy justice for ourselves, but he did it for us. He died the criminal's death that you and me and every human being who ever missed the mark of God's perfection should have otherwise had to pay. Aren't you grateful for the humility of Jesus that he would do that for you and me? That he would die the criminal's death on the cross so that you could be set free forever. I am grateful for this truth. And verse 9 says, therefore, God exalted him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know that in a group this size at church on Sunday, most of us would say, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that's willing to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. And what we mean by that is that in a personal sense, we have personally stepped up to the reality that I could never fix myself. I need his forgiveness. When we declare Jesus Christ as Lord, we are saying, I know that I'm no longer my own, that God has given the gift of life to me, and I belong to him. He's the Lord of my life. It's personal. It's personal. And because we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we get to live differently. We get to live every single day waking up knowing, again, I'm forgiven. We get to live every single day knowing the grace of God is a foundation under my feet. 
We get to live every single day knowing I have the hope of heaven after I die, but even better, I have the power of the Holy Spirit for right here, right now, learning and victory and growing and lifting up and advancing and leveling up. I'm so grateful that I get to say Jesus is Lord. Aren't you? If you're a believer right now, I want you to just confess it. Just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, you could do better than that. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. Now, I also know that in a group this size, there's probably some of us for whom we're not quite sure. We don't know where we stand. I just want you to know that there's one way to be right with God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And today, I want to encourage you to believe in him. To believe in him. In John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus is speaking about himself. And he says these words, and I want to make sure you catch it. John 6, 40, uh, sorry, 47. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Now, he's speaking about himself. And I know that religious people would like to make things a lot more complex than that and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, oh, no, 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 I think first you got to do this and you got to go there, you got to memorize this, you got to say that 10 times the right way, you got to jump up and down, spin around three times, what about that? whatever it is. But Jesus just says, look, this is, this is the first step. Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. And, and so if you're here and you're saying, I'm just trying to figure this whole spiritual life thing out. I'm trying to figure it out. This is where it begins, believing in Jesus. You can figure out the rest as you go. But <laughs> it's got to be a, a place where it all starts. And it starts simply with faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus. And so I want to invite you today, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, to do so. Right here and right now. I want you to pray with me for a moment. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for so many of us in this room that... We, we know Jesus Christ is Lord, and it gives us strength, it gives us freedom, it gives us clarity, it gives us boldness, it gives us forgiveness. There's nothing better than to live knowing Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray God right now for an awakening for some others that are here today, that we could know, all of us, that we're right with God, and that Jesus is Lord. So while we're praying together, if you're here today and you would say, I don't know quite where I stand with God, but I do want to be right with God. I want to ask for the gift of his mercy and forgiveness. I want to ask for my sin to be forgiven. I want a new start with God. I want to receive the gift of eternal life that comes through believing in Jesus. If that's true of you, if you would say, I have a lot to still figure out, but that much I know that I need him to forgive my sin, I want to receive the gift of salvation, that I could know I'm going to heaven when I die, that I could experience the power of his spirit here and now. If that's true for you, if you would say, I need that, I need Jesus, I need his forgiveness, I need his mercy, if that describes you and you want to start life with Jesus and receive his gift of eternal life, right now I want you to raise your hand, just raise it up and don't hold back. This is the day for you to once and for all come to Jesus. Just lift it up and raise it high. Right over here in the middle in the back. Thank you, man. That's awesome. Who else? I don't want to miss you. Over in the back on my right. Yes, sir. I see you. Thanks be to God. Who else? I don't want to miss you. If this is your moment, you just lift your hand. It's you finally saying, I admit I need Jesus to forgive my sin. Right over here in the middle in the back. Right over here in, in, on my left in the middle. I see you, sir. That's awesome. Now, those of you who had lifted a hand, yes, sir, thank you. Now, take it a step further. 
I take it a step further. I want you to do some talking to God. That's what prayer is. And right now, I want you to pray. It's just simply talking to God. He's always present, and he's present right now. And in this moment, I want you to talk to him for just a minute. And just simply start by saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Why don't you say it together with me? Ready, go. Jesus, I believe in you. And just continue that a little bit and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Jesus, would you forgive me and save me and be my Lord? And maybe the right thing to do would right now, those of you who had raised your hands, would you just say out loud with me, Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it again with me. Go. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now this is your declaration over your own life. From this moment on, you're not your own anymore. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. From this moment on, you're not alone, wandering, hopeless, and in the dark. You are a child of God bought by the blood of Jesus. And you say it again, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now everybody say it together, Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, he is. He's Lord.